Well, happy Friday. For those that are joining us live, welcome. If you're listening to this at any other way, thank you so much. It's Friday, which is phenomenal for so many reasons. I can feel the weekend. I can feel Shabbat coming. So thanks so much for those who, who sent in questions. Thanks so much for the, uh, the, the kind words. One of the best things that I got yesterday was a voice note from our very own Andy Boltax, who many of you know who are with us, especially live, is the magician behind the curtain. He emailed me, he left me a note saying yesterday, for those who were listening to yesterday's show, we spoke about social contracts and planning for the future. He texted me and said that um, in the morning, he's, he had planned for himself to um, give a, a donation to a charity that he hated if he would not get up half an hour earlier or the time he wanted to get up. Usually he snoozes the extra half hour. I'm sure he's getting up super early anyways. This is the example of great and greater. He woke up this morning and the thought that he was going to give that dollar to that organization got him out of bed. That's that's it. It's worth it. I'm ready to just shut down. This is a one-minute show. Well, let's close it a day. Let, let's close it for the day. Let's go straight to the weekend. That's, it works. Our brain's a computer. We can just hack it in the way we want. Um, and that's some of the things that I think is critical that we're talking about today is just figuring out techniques for how to understand what who we really are, right? That's the next level. Level one is thinking into the future. Level two is saying, wait, wait, in the future, I'm not really as rational as I would otherwise think. No, I'm not going to get up in the morning out of bed ready to rock. I'm going to hit the snooze button. Come on. That's the next level. That begins another trait, which we're not going to speak about now, which is the trait of humility. Humility be- encompasses the idea that I'm not perfect and that's okay. Once I accept the fact that I'm not perfect, I can start to work on my imperfections. And when I think about me in the future, it's easy to think that I'm much greater than I am in the future. But once I appreciate the challenges that even I have in the future, I can start to get around it. So we have some great questions coming in and I want to just get to as many as we can. And if I can't get to, hopefully I will send you an email about it. So um, thank you so much for sending in the questions and we'll go through each ones. And for those who didn't send in questions, the reason why we do the Q and A is because so many of the things that each of us are thinking about comes in the questions of other people. This comes in from Rachel. Um, I have a contentious relationship with my son and when he comes home, I'm paraphrasing, when he comes home, we, I plan to have a pleasant evening together. In practice, however, when he comes home and I say one word to him, he freaks out. Anyone have this problem? Right? You're like, this is going to be the greatest night ever with my kids. And then they're in a mood. Anyone raising teenagers? And the whole thing gets thrown. This is probably because he's already views me as someone who is giving him, that gives him demands in his life to do his chores, shower, clean up, right? Being a parent being a parent, being a parent, right? 
this this disconnect between parents that like the kids are in school and and the parent is thinking like oh my gosh like this is going to be the greatest and then the kids come home and they're in a mood and they say something and you have to make them do their work because we're the parent like we're not their best friends we are but we're really their parents too how do i change the dynamic utilizing the strategy we spoke about this week so let me just give you one or two ideas number one future self whenever you're thinking about this is, this is an important distinction. Whenever we're thinking about the future, it's so important to not think about the challenges that other people bring to the table in the future. If they're 99% wrong, then 99% wrong, then even the 1% we're wrong, we have to focus on 1%. Meaning whenever we look to the future, remember we're always more rational, which means the other party is always more irrational in the future. Because I'm, I've always got it together. And also you have to remember that we have lots of cognitive biases. So our brains are geared to make us feel good about ourselves in ways that are even beyond truth, right? We're always right. Look at America today and go to, I mean, or don't do this, but, you know, listen in your mind to an argument on both sides of the aisle. They're both 1 million percent right. And the other person isn't just wrong, but they're evil and terrible and, and the world will collapse if they're right. It's a bias. It's a bias that we have that makes us feel better about ourselves. It's another one of our survival techniques. We can't constantly be down on ourselves. Some people have this. So it's confirmation bias. And other levels of biases. If one day maybe we'll do on a show of the amount of cognitive biases, I think the list is like hundreds. So when you're planning for a child to come home in specific, think about not the first giving, right? Not the first step into the relationship, dinner or how are you? Think about the reaction towards the first bit of negativity. Hi, how was your day? terrible. Can you do your homework? You're the worst mom. You always get in my life. I'll do it. Whatever. When that first negativity comes back to us, that's the moment where we plan. And that's where we use the technique. How do I react to that? What do I do when that first bit of negativity comes from my child? Because many times children come at us with negativity because they have bad days, because they're unsure, they're insecure. I know, I remember I, it happens all the time. It's like my, you know, so one time in particular, I had been doing something for my kid and the response was like totally inappropriately negative. And of course I responded back with negativity. And then that night, like I had a chance to like reflect after that, you know, the kid was sleeping because when, when kids sleep, especially when they're young or they're, they're angels, right? And it dawned on me that the child who was negative was going through something in school. He just wasn't fitting in. And it was almost definitely because he couldn't release the frustration in school. And even kids who we don't think get it, get it more than we think they get it. And if they can't get it and articulate it, they feel it. Happens in work all the time. You come to work and someone snaps at you. 99% of the time, it's not you. You get on a bus, you get on a train, or you go through life. Most of the time when people are responding with negativity to your positivity, it's nothing to do with you. 
they just are expressing something that's inside their heads. Kids have it all the time. They bottle up stuff. Being a kid is difficult. We forget for us adults how hard it is to get thrown into a fishbowl of people your age and having to survive and figure out life and go through hormonal changes and try to be accepted and try to be successful. It's complicated. And they're little. Even if they're 19, they're little. So when they come at us with negativity, a lot of that negativity is not about us. The first question is, how do we respond to that negativity? That's where you plan. That's where you go future self. And that's where you delay the going back in negative, or that's where you create a social contract. And here, let me give you a social contract. Let's assume you like sweets, but you're trying to be healthy. You get to indulge in something specific every night that you've given your kid the reaction of positivity to their negativity. Let's assume that you are busy with work, but you like watching sports or whatever the things are that you're working on in your life. Whatever in, in things that you'd like to indulge in, if you just take a little bit of that indulgence and you dedicate it to the end of the day when they're sleeping, when you react cool, calm, unfazed to their negativity. So they come out with negativity and we're like, cool. It's okay, honey. Now, what happens with children is that when they come out and adults and bosses, this is not for parents and children right now. This is advice for every interaction in life. What happens to people is people are conditioned in their relationships. It's called mirror neurons. The real reasons why screens are bad for us, one of the many, is because when you're in front of a human being, there are neurons that are in your mind that trigger, that are mirror neurons, that mirror behavior. It's an incredible gift we have to bring us closer to each other. If you're with someone for a long time, you, you it's amazing. You start to like, in, on the nuance, act like them, talk like them. You'll find yourself, say expressions like them. So when you're with somebody, a boss, an employee, a child, a spouse, and they come at you with either expressive neg negativity, passive aggressiveness, the negativity, and you're planning for it, you know it's coming because you've been around the block once, you know that they're, they're going to get defensive, you know that they're coming in negative, and you are going to go above and beyond, remember, you're going to delay negativity. And you're going to respond back at the very least with a positive or a calm or a non-insulted response. What you're doing is you are conditioning the relationship to diffuse negativity. It's not even conscious. They won't even realize it. You keep at it. At some point, the negativity on their side will be conditioned to the limit because it's a mirror neuron conditioning. They're not going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Remember, stop yelling. They're just going to come into the relationship and they're going to feel like, well, wait, we just don't yell in this relationship. It's not how we talk. It's not how I act. And they're going to gain some level of composure. So the key here is you're delaying your negativity and you're increasing your social contract, not when you see somebody, but you're already planning for a negative response. And it's how you relate in round two. Hope that that helps. Um, I got another email uh, here from Selena about kids helping chores. They're in the middle of doing it and then you do it, they, they complain. So you do it for somebody. That happens a lot of times also in terms of businesses. 
right? You have an employee, you give them work, they don't really do it well, you do it yourself. You're a parent, you give people, your kids chores, they don't do it themselves. And it doesn't work, right? Because you, you shouldn't be doing it and they shouldn't be not doing it. So here's a, a technique. You do it with them, right? If someone gives you work that's not good, you don't just say, fine, I'll do it. You say, you know what, let's do it together. If a kid's doing the chores and it ain't working because they're not doing a good job, they're just fetching through it, you don't do it for them. You do it with them. And by doing something with them, especially if you're positive, not like, fine, I'll do it with you. This is annoying. Thanks for being um, incompetent. It's let's do this together. You're a showing them how to do it right. But more importantly, you're showing them that you're, it's not beneath you and they're not getting away with it. This happens a lot of times, especially with employees. Employees think that if they don't do a good enough job and they give it to their boss and their boss does it for them, it conditions the behavior of, I don't know this answer. Let me just give it to them. Kids know how to get out of chores. This is they do for a living. One of kids' jobs, if you look at like the job description of being a child, one of it is how do I get out of stuff I don't want to do? Because they live in a box, right? For a child, their whole life is forced. They have to go to school. They have to do the work that the person in front of the class assigned for them. They have to listen to their parents. They have to do everything. They're kids. So what they do for a living is survive that. And they learn how to get around stuff. They learn how to like navigate around a world that forces them to do things. So if they could fetch and complain and then shirk the responsibility, of course they're going to do that. So if we do it with them, then they'll, they'll, uh, they'll do it differently. I had this for my, my house. We have a, after Shabbat at my house, we divide, we divide and conquer our house. So everybody cleans up, everybody. My youngest, they're not that helpful, but we all clean up. And there was a point where some of my kids were just complaining about it. So I'm like, you know what? I'll do it myself. And that's what I did for like a few weeks. I just cleaned the whole house myself, me and my wife, the whole thing. And it just didn't work. Like my kids felt bad and then they wanted to and they didn't want to. And like the whole thing was just negative. So I'm like, you know what? Forget it. You're doing it. We're all doing it. We're going to do everything together. So when we, when we went into the room where some of my children were cleaning up, we jumped in and cleaned with them. And at some point they realized that like, why we don't got to do that. I'll clean up myself. And it changed the dynamic from mom and dad are making me clean up to mom and dad are willing to clean up with me. And that, that changes it. This is not just for employees. This is not just for children. I'm employees. It's not just for children. It's for everybody. Whenever you want to do that, that's the way to, um, to build in. Pia, he has a new listener. Thank you, Pia, for listening. Um, and uh, yes, I'm happy you identified with the no filter stuff. Question for Pia is, in the process of jogging, her coach, right, Pia, your coach is setting um, distances, can hit the goal, and distances and times for, for jogging, for athletic uh, accomplishments. Something you should have no problem executing. However, I have all these doubts in my mind. How do I delay the impulse? Meaning, how do I delay myself from slowing down and quitting altogether? And how do I plan to plan to alleviate anxiety? This is great. This applies both in athletics. This applies both in work. This applies in life, right? There is a goal that someone sets for us. 
we're not sure we can hit it. We trust the person in front of us. And then as we start to do what we were supposed to be doing, it all breaks down, right? So I'm jogging, I'm training. My coach says, you can hit this number with this time. I'm running through it. And I'm like, well, wait a second, right? This is last night's show, Rivka, thank you. How do I do it? So let me just give you a technique. This is the, the 100% the technique. Now, remember, for those who have been with us for the past three weeks, you realize that this is actually the, 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 the blend of maximum strength, enthusiasm, and discipline, right? This is, remember we spoke about the right and the left, right? The, the, the yes and the no, how it really blends together. This is a great example of that blend. Because part of this is maximum strength. I have to bring the energy, not just to start something, but to continue something. And part of this is when, I, my, when my brain says, you're going to quit, it's not, you're not going to quit, right? The Navy SEALs rule, 40%. When you are, think you're going to, that you had nothing left, you've only reached 40% of your capacity. So remember, our brains want to keep us safe and comfortable. They're survival brains. We have to make them greatness brains. In survival, when you're getting close to exhaustion, you shut down because you have to survive. And the way you survive is you conserve energy survivalists won't eat the entire meal to the end of it. They will eat whatever they need to survive and they will save the rest. Your brain conserves energy. Your body conserves energy because it wants to keep you alive. It doesn't want to keep you great. Remember, greatness is the override system. The soul wants greatness. The body wants survival. So when we're running and jogging in an athletics and we get to the end of our rope and our brain goes, you can't make it anymore. What do we do? We delay. We, do, we just use these techniques. Future contract and delay, right? So let's play it out. I got to run. So I got to hit a run today. I know at the end of the day that when I'm going to reach mile X, I'm going to go nuts. So I'm telling myself in my future self, I didn't run yet. I'm already planning. I'm not thinking I'm going to nail it today. I'm thinking, I'm not going to nail it today. I'm going to hit the wall at mile 12. And my coach said, you got to go to mile 15. I'm telling myself right now, when I hit mile 12, and I'm going to, don't give in. Remember, you always feel this way and you get through it. Remember, right? I'm already planting in my brains all the memories that I need that I'm going to only need in 12 miles from now because I know I'm going to want to quit in 12 miles. So the first thing you do whenever you have, and this is not just in running, this is in any area of life where there's an endurance component to it. You're thinking towards the future and saying, okay, I'm going to get there. And when I get there and I feel like I want to quit, remember, this is what we spoke about, I think earlier, what I called stick week. Whenever I try something new, whenever I do something new, the beginning, it feels great. And I know, because I've been doing this, that there's going to be a week where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This stinks. I hate it. Forget it. And I tell myself it's stick week. I made up a term that I never heard of before called stick week. I don't know what that term is. I never heard it, but in my head, it means this is the week you stick with it without thinking. And sometimes stick week takes a month, but I know because I've been doing this so long that I know that I start new things. I hit that boredom after the novelty wears off and then I quit. And I also know that if I don't quit during stick week, I last, I see results. Future thinking, but your future thinking based on the reality, based on the impulses that are coming your way.
Technique one. Technique two, delay. I'm going to quit in five minutes. You know what? Five minutes. Let, let me, I, I get it. I get it. You're in my head. I get it. I'll talk to you in five minutes. When I ran the marathon, I ran New York two years ago. Or three years ago. When I ran the marathon, I think I hit the wall at like mile 20. Five more blocks. My, my family's waiting for me at mile 23. I'll see them there. I just got to turn this corner. I, I'm going to quit. Yeah, sure. No, you know, brain, I got it. I know it. I know. I, I get the alarms you're ringing in my brain. I got it. And I'm negotiating with myself. I got it. I'll talk to you in two miles. And you keep on delaying, delaying, delaying. Before you know it, you're at the, at the finish line. Let me just do one or two more. Um, uh, Michael. Michael has a great question about computer work and being distracted while being on the computer. Same concept. The same concept. If you're on the computer, this happens to every, a lot of people, right? You're working on the computer and then all of a sudden like something pops up and the next thing you know, you chase a rabbit hole and like you're, you're listening to news and watching YouTube video and you're lost. How do you do that? Delay it. I want to go to that. I'll save the page. I want to go to that. I'll save the page. It's 9, 9, 10, 9, 20, 9, I'm in. 9.30, I'm in. You delay the need to be distracted by clips. And the next thing you know, you're gaining. And even if you gain a little bit more every time and you give in, you still won. The last one, and then I will end for today. This one's a long one. Esther, I will hopefully email you back. Um, all right, it's ready 920. Let's let's pick it up next week. We're going to continue what we're talking about and just try to close out um, next week. Actually, one of the great things we're going to hopefully circulate, um, one of our listeners sent in uh, a write-up of the five levels. Oh, Liran, Shabbat Shalom, nice to see you. Um, and thanks everybody for 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 the for, for being with us the whole week. Deb, Rifka, Michael, Liran, uh, and everyone else who's who's on with us live and everywhere else, we appreciate it. Um, next week we're going to continue this, and hopefully we're going to circulate the five levels. We had a, uh, one of our guests sent in a write up. We 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 uh, Andy took it, and we're going to send it around to everybody. And then we'll just continue pushing on this area of discipline. We'll finalize it, and we'll move hopefully to our our next trade. Until then. Thank you so much uh, for an incredible week, for being here together. Have a great weekend. Good Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom. Wherever you are, remember, this is another great week to introspect, to be bigger, to think greater. And, uh, and we should really realize just a little bit more every single day over the course of life, compounding interest changes us. Have a great weekend. With God's help, can't wait to see you again next week.